0: But we're going to turn to um, John chapter 8. And if you're here for the first time, then I'd better fill you in. We're working our way through John's gospel. This is where we got to. Um, And really, the way John's gospel works is there are two halves. The first half is really all about the identity of Jesus. There are these seven signs. There are seven I am sayings. There's this massive evidence that John gives us to who Jesus is so that you can know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. That's the first half. The second half of the gospel is then understanding why it is he had to come and die on a cross. But we're still in the first half, um, and we're in chapter 8, which is part of a long dialogue that's going on between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day who aren't very happy with him. In fact, haven't really been very happy with him since chapter 5 when he healed someone on the Sabbath. So we're, we're in that kind of, it's quite a detailed argument. They're trying to catch Jesus out, trying to put him on trial. But at the end of last week, um, it all sounded quite positive. So chapter 8, verse 30 says this. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. That was the last verse we were in last week. You think, oh, that's pretty good. Many people believed in Jesus. Excellent. Which makes what happens next quite surprising. Let me read it. Um, it will be on the screens, or you can get it on your phones, or if you've got a Bible, that would be terrific. And let me warn you, these words of Jesus, Je- Jesus doesn't pull any punches. Um, he speaks pretty strong words. But let's listen and know that he loves us, which is why he says the things he says. So let's, uh, let's read them. So John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants, have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father... You would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Okay, one of, the, um, one of the themes that you get a lot in the Bible is this theme we've already talked about this afternoon of slavery to freedom. It's like a motif that keeps running through. You know when you watch a film like Jurassic Park or Harry Potter, there's the kind of the, the theme music which keeps coming back at key moments. It's, it's like that. This slavery to freedom thing keeps coming, and there's some big examples of it, like um, the Israelites being brought out of slavery in Egypt, brought out of slavery to freedom. But then there's smaller examples all over the place. Slavery to freedoms. It's, it's a liberation story. And that theme of liberation, of redemption, of taking that which is enslaved and oppressed and setting it free, it echoes something really deep within us. It's a powerful powerful idea to us as human beings. And it's one of the key themes of the Bible. And it's that theme I want us to talk about um, this afternoon for a few minutes. I mean, there are countless films, right? Films that show how much this idea of redemption is embedded within us. So things like Shawshank Redemption, uh, which you'll... Yes, that's a long time ago. Um, things like chicken run, slightly less <laughs> highbrow. doesn't matter. You can think of your own. I'm sure you know many more. But these idea of stories that echo. And, and look, even, even when you see an animal which is kind of caught in a net and someone comes and sets it free and you watch it swim away or fly away, there's something in you, isn't there, that goes, yes. Perhaps it even makes a little lump form in your throat. Just me. There's something about freedom that we ache for and we long for and we love. Why? Why do we love freedom so much? And what is freedom? That's what we're going to try and dig around in. And I don't want to tell you what I think. I want to try and show you what Jesus says on this subject. And his highlights in verse 31 and 32, this is the kind of headline of the whole thing. This is the headline of what Jesus is going to say, and then he's going to unpack it, and he's going to show us some really quite serious and significant things. The headline is, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you've got these guys who've believed him, right? So some in the crowd have started to listen and have you know, this Jesus bloke, I think he's all right. I don't know what the religious leaders have got against him. He seems quite interesting. I'd like to listen to him a little bit more. And at that point, we would probably be tempted to go, great, sign them up, get them a t-shirt, stick a sticker on their bumper of their car. Let's call them Christians and off we go. But Jesus isn't interested in counting up converts and saying, oh, look, another one to add to the tally. Jesus knows there's more at stake. And what is at stake in John chapter 8 is freedom itself. Jesus is concerned for these people who have begun to believe in him that they would miss out on the freedom that he came to bring because the danger is that they are interested in Jesus, but they don't stick with him. So he says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You've got to stick with me. You've got to believe what I say. You've got to become a disciple. You've got to follow me. You've got to listen to me. You've got to stay with me because only then can you be free. So Jesus isn't interested in people who are vaguely kind of like him. He's looking for people who are disciples who know that their very freedom itself rests on him. Of course, this is now going to make us um, ask some questions, right? Well, what, what do we mean by freedom? So let's, let's, first big thing to talk about, let's talk about the nature of freedom. What do we mean when we talk about freedom? If I was to ask you, as you come in the door this, this afternoon, without really thinking about it, if I'd said, right, define freedom for me, I, I wonder what you would have said. What would be your attempt at defining freedom. If I didn't give you much time to think about it, you would probably have come up with something like I would come up with, something along the lines of being able to do whatever I want to do, being free from constraint, being free from restriction and limitation. Being able to do what I want to do, being able to be what I want to be, being able to go where I want to go, that's freedom, right? Freedom is about autonomy. It's about self-determination. And you know what? This is what our culture loves. Yes? You see this all the time. Our culture is constantly telling us, you're free to be yourself. You're free to be whatever you want to be. You, You get to decide. No one has the right to tell you what to do or what you should be. This is... We're told this from the very youngest age, and it's repeated over and over to us. To quote um, that great philosopher, Elsa, um, it's time to see what I can do to test the limit. This is frozen, by the way, in case anyone's completely lost. (laughs) It's all right, you're with me. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. There you go, that's it. If there are restrictions and limitations, they are there for me to break through, to push the limits, and to be free. Because as long as there are restrictions and limits, I'm not really free. Of course, this is why we're finding it so hard with coronavirus at the moment. Because we're having our freedoms restricted. So six months ago, I could have invited eight of you for dinner, and we'd have had a happy time. Now I can't. I'm not free anymore to do that. And we find ourselves thinking, my freedom is being restricted. But is that really the nature of freedom? I want to suggest it isn't. And I want to suggest that actually Jesus is going to give us a better definition of freedom than autonomy and self determination. I mean, there are some obvious problems with that version of freedom, that do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be, go wherever you want to go, you're free, autonomous, break through the limits, no rules, that stuff. Big problems. I mean, here are three problems with it for a start. Firstly, that's a very complicated thing because I am conflicted even within myself about what I really want and who I really am. <laughs> And so I find myself having to make choices, having to limit my freedom in one area because I want to have a go out for dinner and have a great big McDonald's and I want to be fit and healthy. I have to make a decision. See freedom isn't quite as simple as doing whatever you want to do. There are countless times in the day when I don't do what I want to do because there is another want that sort of overtrumps it. So it's it's not very simple. Added to that, second reason why this definition of freedom is problematic is because it basically rules out the possibility of ever having a relationship with another human being. Because as soon as I enter into a relationship with someone else, I find my freedom is changed. Now, that's true in all relationships, whether that's a romantic relationship or a a friendship or a parent or a work, whatever it is, when you enter into a relationship with someone else, your freedom changes. It costs you. So I've been married for 20 years. I am not free to go and sleep with other women. I don't have that freedom because I got married. Now, you see, what, what I'm trying to show you is that this idea of freedom is not as simple as we think it is. And the very essence of relationship is that my freedom is curtailed in order to love and care for someone else. So we've got to be careful of this autonomy, this, this self-determination. And the third reason that this is a terrible definition of freedom is because it leads to disaster. Um, David Attenborough has done another documentary, another one. (laughs) And um, this is one where he's really looking back on his life and getting quite philosophical, quite emotional. And one of the things he said is, we're starting to realize that greed does not bring joy. That is, if you let a culture and a society run along a purely self determinate that one, if you let a culture run along that track, actually what you end up with is disaster. Because you end up with a culture where everybody says, but I have the right to do what I want. And yes, I agree that we should use less plastic, but it's hard and it curtails my freedom, and it costs more money, and blah, blah, blah. That the only hope that we have of doing anything about the climate crisis is if we curtail our freedom. That's the point. So I want to suggest we chuck out any sense of a let-it-go theology, of a breakthrough Let's just do what I want to do. It's about me and about me being fulfilled. That is not freedom. Jesus is going to show us a better way. Genuinely, I think the answer that Jesus gives is very beautiful. And I I really hope you will too. But before we get to um, the nature of true freedom, I I, I want us to look first at the nature of slavery. Slavery. Because, you see, if you look down at the text, um, Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Which is interesting in and of itself, right? That truth, you, you can only be set free by truth. Lies will never set you free. But the crowd at the time, they're a little bit offended, really, that Jesus would suggest they need setting free. They answer, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we'll be set free? If you run up to someone and say, I'm here to set you free, they can look at you if you're mad. I wasn't aware. Now, of course, if they're in captive in a prison and you burst open the door and you go, I'm here to set you free, they go, fantastic, and out they go. But you've got to see the nature of slavery first. They don't see the nature of their slavery. In fact, they say we've never been slaves of anyone, which is a little bit, a little bit weird, because as Abraham's descendants, they have actually been slaves of Egypt, and they've been slaves of Assyria, and Babylon, and Persia, and Greece, and Rome, (laughs) as they have quite a history of being slaves. But I think what they're driving at is that in a spiritual sense, how can you, how do, we're God's special people. We're the descendants of Abraham. How dare you tell us we need to be set free? And Jesus says, there is a slavery that you desperately need to understand because this is why you need to be set free. And so look what verse 34 here is the nature of slavery. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Right? Look, slavery is when my restrictions, uh, my freedom is limited by restrictions. Right? Slavery is when I can't do what I want to do. And I think there's a number of things in our world. We we would probably sit in this room and go, "Well, I'm not a slave of anything." And there may be a few things that we think, well, maybe that does enslave me. I think a lack of money can be enslaving, right? You can't do what you want to do because you don't have enough money. If you do, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> or it might be your, uh, your gifts. You know, I, 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 I want to do this, but I'm, I don't have the ability to do it. And that enslaves you. Or your responsibilities that you have limitations that are placed on you. you. think, these are the things that enslave me. Jesus says, none of those things enslave you. But there is one thing that enslaves all humanity, and that is sin. Now, what, what, what does Jesus mean? That's a huge thing to say. You see, we tend to think of sin, right? And, and even if you've been around church for donkey's years, we still tend to think of sin as the naughty things I do. Oops, I did it again. I've messed up again. Oops, naughty me. Jesus says if you simply think of sin as naughty things, then you will reduce it and you will not see that actually it is far more sinister than that. Jesus says that sin has a power that enslaves us. What does Jesus mean when he talks about sin? Well, I think this is where things get very interesting and slightly unnerving. You see, in the Bible, sin at its core is autonomy and self-determination. Sin at its core is me saying, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. The very thing that our culture would label as freedom, the Bible says, no, that is the heart of sin. Because there is a God who made you, a God who loves you, and he made you for himself, and we have declared autonomy, self-determination, I'm going to push through, no rules, no rights, no wrongs, I'm free. But the problem is, when you live that way and you pursue what you think is freedom, you discover it actually to be slavery. Now, the reason um, we, we may be thinking, well, this all feels quite strange. But put in a very basic way, we sort of know that we're slaves to sin because we can't stop it. Aren't there things in your life that you would love to not do, but you still do them? There are in mine. Don't you find that there is a power that sometimes you think, where did that come from? What on earth am I doing? Why did I lose it so completely? It was as if something overtook me. It was almost as if I was enslaved. Jesus says we have a fundamental problem. We are slaves to sin. We cannot stop it. Now, this is not Jesus being really miserable and harsh and unkind and cruel. This is Jesus saying this is what we're like. It's the problem that we have. I guess we'd be familiar to this sort of idea in in the world of addiction, When you think of an addiction, you would see someone who is saying, I'm free, I'm free, as they go for another bottle in order to feed their addiction. And the problem is we can see it when we look at others, but often we can't see it when we look at ourselves and we're enslaved. And the very thing we're going after in the pursuit of freedom is the actual thing that's enslaving us. You know, often we're deceived. Sin comes to us and it says, "I'll set you free. I've got what you want." It's like cheese on a mouse trap. It sits there, offering, saying, "I'll give you freedom, happiness, joy." And we're little mice, and we say, "Look at that cheese! It looks so good. How could anything possibly go?" Ah, that was the. Doesn't matter. But you see, we can, it lies, there is a lie. And we pursue it, and there are these things that we think will bring us freedom. And it's so crushing because you're supposed to achieve freedom. You've got to pursue it, and the restrictions that are around, you've got to push through them. You've got to break through. You've got to be free. You've got to show how free you are. And Jesus says it's slavery. I wonder, can you see anything in your life that enslaves you? What is it that has a hold over you? And Jesus says in verse 35, a slave has no permanent place in the family. And now we're going to push. Okay, Now we're going to push to see the, the definition of freedom. After all that we've seen, we've seen the, kind of the wrong understanding of freedom in the world. We've seen the nature of slavery as being enslaved to sin, here is the stunning and, I think, surprising and, when you think about it, beautiful answer that Jesus gives us, and that is that Jesus shows us the freedom of belonging. If you want to know what it means to be free, you need to belong. Freedom is not found in autonomy. It's not found in self-determination. It is found in being in the place where you belong. That's freedom. That's exactly the language Jesus uses in verse 35. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. I don't know if you're a sort of Downton Abbey type person I don't even know what they are, but some of you probably are. Um, at Downton Abbey, you know Downton Abbey, the kind of big old stately home back from the past when people had family upstairs and the kind of servants all lived downstairs. When one of the servants gets out of line, when one of the servants does something wrong, they're sacked, right? They're kicked out because they're, just, because they're servants. They have no permanent place in the family. But how different for the children... And what Jesus is saying is freedom is found not in being a slave, but in being a child, a son, a daughter of God. Because the problem is that by nature, we're not. We're we're slaves. We're slaves of sin. And that's why when Jesus says a son belongs to it forever, what he's really thinking about is himself. All the way through John's gospel, Jesus has said over and over again, I'm the son, I'm the son, I'm the son of God, I'm the son sent by the Father. I'm the son of God, I'm the son who loves my Father. I'm an obedient to my Father. And therefore, Jesus is the one who has a permanent place in the family. He's the permanent son. He's the one who will never be cast out, who will never be rejected, who will never be thrown away because he's the son who has a permanent place. And now get this, look at the very next verse. Verse 36 which could be the best news that you ever hear in your whole life, if you hear it this afternoon. If the sun sets you free, then you will be free indeed. So here I am as a slave of sin. Here is Jesus as the son, the free, perfect son who belongs to God, his father. And the very reason Jesus came was to save slaves and to make them sons and daughters of the king. If you want to be free, you need to belong. If you want to be free, you need to know God as your father. If you want to be free... You need Jesus to do this rescue. And here we are, right back at the motif again. The motif of slavery to freedom. Slavery to freedom. And just like when God rescued his people out of Egypt, when they were slaves, he brought them out. And in order to bring them out, a lamb died. There was a sacrifice that was offered to pay for the sin of the people, to bring them out of slavery and to bring them to God and to God's family. And now Jesus comes as the perfect lamb who will give himself, the perfect son of God who will give himself to pay the price to take you from being a slave to being a son or a daughter of the king. I, 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 genuinely, this is the best news you could ever hear. Because this means that you don't have to pursue freedom anymore. You're given it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to desperately crave it. You don't have to run around looking for it. You simply breathe it in and accept what Jesus has done for you. And you say, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And if Jesus sets you free, you have a permanent place in the family. If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. You've got nothing left to prove. You see? Do you know that freedom this afternoon? This is a freedom of identity. This is a freedom that comes from belonging. This is not a freedom that is earned. It's a freedom that we enjoy as we come to Jesus, the Son, and he sets us free. That's the nature of true freedom, belonging. I can't think of anything more wonderful than to know that I belong to God. I'm no longer a slave of sin. I was, but not anymore. But as Jesus speaks to this crowd, the the last thing we need to see, um, and, and this is serious, is Jesus warns them. He warns them because they presume that they are free. They presume that they already belong. They presume that they don't need Jesus. Well, of course we're okay. We're Abraham's descendants, remember? And Jesus says, I know you're Abraham's descendants. This is verse 37. Yet you're looking for a way to kill me. You have no room for my word. You're trying to kill the Son. So yes, although they have begun to be a bit interested in him, Jesus can see in their hearts there is still a rejection of him. They're happy to have his sticker on their car, but they don't really want him in their heart. They've got no room for him. He says, I'm telling you what I've seen in my father's presence, and you are doing what you've heard from your father. Kind okay, of, that's a provocative statement. Jesus says, I'm telling you what I've seen from my father. You're doing what you've heard from your father, which immediately raises the question, well, who's their father then? They're very clear. Verse 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. We're children of Abraham. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the works of your father. You see, Abraham, this great hero that they're thinking back to, Abraham is an example from their past, their great forefather. Okay, let's just talk Abraham then. Abraham was having a very happy life. He was living in a place called Ur, which is just a great place to live. Who wouldn't want to live in a place called Ur? When they were handing out names of towns, someone stammered and went, Ur, and then went, yep, that'll do, on we go. So there he is, living in Ur, and he's wealthy, and he's got lots going on, and he's got some little go- he's got some gods that he worships. He's got a nice family. He's free, right? He's doing well. Everything seems to be going well for him. And then God comes all of that, and you need to go to the place where I will show you. And Abraham, rather than demanding his own autonomy, rather than saying no, nah, no, thanks, God. I've established my own freedom here. Instead, he submits himself to what God says, and he says, I will do what you say, and I will go where you go, and I will be what you call me to be. That's not autonomy. That's belonging to God. And Jesus says, that's what Abraham did, but you are not doing that. So you cannot call Abraham your father. And well, now they protest even more. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. That's almost certainly a dig at Jesus. Come on, Jesus, you, you probably are an Ill- illegitimate child. Who knows about your mum and dad? Who knows what happened at your birth? If we're going to cast mud about fathers, then let's talk about your father. The only father we have is God himself, they say. And then Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. Jesus says, you keep calling God your father, but you don't love me. To say that you love God, but you're not interested in Jesus is a nonsense if Jesus is the son of God. And then he spells it out. Verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. I, I, that feels to me to be a, a, a paragraph of extraordinary strength an offense, to say to a group of people, your father is the devil. Why on earth would Jesus say that? When we think of devil, we think of kind of the little horns, and we sort of write it all off as, we don't really believe in that sort of stuff. But the Bible just speaks of him clearly. The Bible says that there is God, and part of God's creation is God created angels, and one of those angels rebelled against God. Uh, One of those angels declared freedom. He decided to declare autonomy, independence from God, and rather than belong to God, rather than worship God and love God, that angel rejected and went his own way. And when you declare autonomy, it always leads to lies and to violence. Because that's how it has to end. And so you have this being who is called the devil, who now seeks to deceive people and to call people to follow his way, just as he did to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, when he said, Don't listen to God, be free. And every time we hear that message, we hear the, we hear the enemy whispering, Be free. You can take this and be free. You can have this and be free. And whatever it is he's offering us, whatever it is, is like cheese on a mousetrap that says you can take this. This looks good, doesn't it? That God chap, he really wants to enslave you. He's got a bunch of rules to keep you all bound up. Chuck them off. It's time to see what you can do to set the limits and break through. No rights, no wrongs, no rules for you. Just be free. And he's a liar. And it's not true. There is no freedom. Because he is dragging people away from the very one that they were made to worship and love. And so Jesus says, if you choose to go that way, then you show yourself to be one of his children Not one of the children of God. You show yourself to belong to him rather than to belong to God. And I think Jesus puts it in this starkest warning because he wants to say to you today, because he loves you so much, he wants to say to you, God is your father. Run to him. Hold to the teaching of Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Don't be deceived by the lies Jesus finishes off in verse 47 as he says, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So the simple question this afternoon is, do you belong to God? Has the Son set you free? Do you know that you were once a slave to sin and Jesus came, he gave his life to set you free? Have you been set free? And if you have been set free, then are you holding on to Jesus with all your strength? Forget, let it go. Let it go, let it go is stupid. Hold on. Hold on to the teaching of Jesus. If you are truly my disciples, Jesus says, you will hold on, not let go. Hold on to him. Never let him go. Because that's where freedom is found. And he's made you a son or a daughter of the king. So you're free. Freedom is found here. Let's pray. Let's pray that we cling to Jesus with all the strength that he gives us and that we would belong to him. Heavenly Father, we we hear this stuff and it's so different to the message that we hear in our world all the time. It's so different to this message of autonomy. It's so different to this message of self-determination and pursuing whatever we want. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to listen to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the true son who belongs to the family forever. Thank you that you've telling us what you've seen in your father's presence and that you came to turn us from slaves into daughters and sons. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would breathe deeply of the freedom that is ours because of what you've done. And when we begin to think that this is slavery and that somewhere over there is freedom, Lord, help us to see through the lies and to hold, to hold to Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.